0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the First City Podcast. Coming to you live from First City Records. Here's your host, Aaron Whitehead. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the very first episode of the First City Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron. I own the uh, First City Records, and I'm happy to be part of this podcast And uh, about the mid-Ohio Valley. We're going to talk not only about what's going on in my store, but uh, things that are going on in our local community. We're going to have guests. We're going to have top five lists. We're going to have a lot of fun along the way, but this very first episode, I decided to keep it simple. I have two really great interviews uh, in the can for this episode. First one we have is Mr. Tony Workman. You know him as the owner and entrepreneur that uh, runs. Classic Plastics Toy Show and the Classic Plastics Toy Store that was in the mall. Now it's not. We're gonna find out what happened with that. Along with, we're gonna, you know, check in on him uh, and talk about mental health a little bit and uh, make sure that he's doing okay. Cause you know, a lot of things have changed for him very quickly in the last few months. So stick around for that interview. But we also have a great interview with Miss Caitlin Streeter, the marketing director of the People's Bank Theater. She's gonna be a recurring character here on the podcast. So I want to make sure you guys had a few minutes to get to know her. At least it was a great interview and I look forward to working with her going forward. We're gonna find out a little bit about the People's Bank Theater history And a little bit about Caitlin and her love of tap dancing and musical theater So stick around for that And uh, later on in the podcast we're going to be talking about things that are going on in the store And a little bit about Record Store Day The list was just released And a lot of people want to know what's you know what's on the list So we're going to find out when we're going to talk about Record Store Day But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview with Ms. Caitlin Studer of the People's Bank Theater All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back in. I want to introduce Miss Caitlin Streeter from the People's Bank Theater into the studio here. She's going to talk a little bit about uh, upcoming shows at the theater, uh, a little bit about history of the theater, and a little bit about herself as well. So let's welcome in Miss Caitlin.
1: Hello, everyone listening. Hi.
0: (laughs) Good morning. Thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for the invite. It's a... Beautiful day here on Front Street. It's cool to be in your in your store, in your studio, sitting at this awesome retro table <laughs> that yeah, we're at.
0: Yeah, we're recording this podcast on a 1980s uh, Donkey Kong cocktail table from, let's say, Pizza Hut. So it's awesome. I'll kind of give you the ambiance of, of the vibe here in the studio today. <laughs> so uh, K- Caitlin, let's learn a little bit about you before we start talking about the theater. How did you become yeah, the, sure. the uh, marketing director at the theater?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I don't really know. It just kind of <laughs> happened. Um, I'm not originally from Marietta, but I definitely feel like Marietta is home. It, it feels like the right place to be. Just this is an awesome, awesome, small town um, here on the Ohio River. And uh, yeah, moved here in 2020. I started off as a reporter for WTAP, our local um, TV news station. And then um, after a bit, I was at the Chamber of Commerce for a while. Um, and those two jobs really got me to really get to know the area, yeah. all the people here, all the different business owners and um, you know, our public officials and all that jazz. Um, and in a small town like this, it's really easy to kind of quickly get to know everyone. And it's just awesome. And so, yeah, I am, I'm a theater kid. Uh, I went to a theater um, school in high school um so i was you know in all the musicals all the plays show choir woman's chorus you were in
0: show choir i was in show choir oh. and marietta i was in the, i was in premier in high school awesome. up for show choir yes all right.
1: i was an alto one
0: i don't remember what i was it was 20 <laughs> years ago um all right i'm also a theater geek give yeah. me two or three of your favorite roles and Ooh. the one role that you always wanted to play that you didn't get to play
1: okay okay so the favorite uh, roles I've played. Um, I, so I went to Ohio University, and I was in *Blythe Spirit*, and I played Madam. Um, oh boy, Madam something, and this is horrible. Butterfly. So, no, she. Um, Agatha. It was. It was an Agatha Christie play. It might be. People listening might know. But anyways, I was in *Blythe Spirit*, which is a a, a play about these people who are in this, this mansion and they have this old lady who con- conjures spirits and she's really kooky and crazy and a lot of mischief happens and that was an extremely fun role to play. That was like probably my favorite. Um, the, and then I was um, the mother in um, oh, Pride and Prejudice. I played um, the mom and that was like extremely fun. Um, I love I love that play and Such then serious
0: roles though my goodness
1: yeah yeah well so but but both of them were very comedic like I was always like the comedic um you know like uh, role um and then I oh gosh my favorite musical I was in was 42nd Street um I love a good tap number um you not a tap I do. Yeah, I'm not extremely good at it. A lot of my friends were a lot better. I had some friends who went on to be in the Rockettes and off Broadway and all this stuff. So um, compared to them, I was uh, maybe a little (laughs) shaky,
0: but my six year old is in tap classes right now. And he he loves it. I think he loves the shoes more than the actual effort. But yeah, wearing shoes that make noise. I love that you know yeah
1: yeah tap is like the math of dance I always tell people like if you want your kid to learn how to do like math tap is really great because you're constantly focusing on the rhythm and the beats Hmm. and the number of steps it's a weird thing but tap people would understand what I'm saying um but yeah and um the role that I always wish I could play easy um my favorite musical is the pajama game um and the movie version was in like the 50s and the, the lead the lead girl in that, um, I think it was played by Doris Day? Yeah, Doris Day played her, and um, I would absolutely, I would drop anything and, and audition for that show if anyone around here did it.
0: <laughs> you hear that, MOVP, Actors yes. Guild? Um, I'll tell you mine. Um, yes. At the same time that I was Angel and Rent,
2: oh my running God. around in
0: drag, they were finishing up um, and Frank, so I would be a Nazi oh my gosh. for, like, five minutes yeah. and then run upstairs to rehearsal and then put on my dance shoes. Amazing. <laughs> in my Nazi costume sometime, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. That's awesome. And my dream role that I never got, and I'm unfortunately I've aged out of it, is Seymour. I did get to be Brad and Rocky mm-hmm. Horror. That was my other dream role. But, yeah, Seymour mm-hmm. in Little Shop. Yeah. You have to be, like, maybe 30 but I've definitely grade grade out of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to be Mushnick, and I, I don't I don't want to get to right. get to the point where I'm Mushnick age. So, oh, um, cool. all right. So you sound like you're kind of an old soul. All the all of your picks seem like they were yeah. ancient plays.
2: That
0: a <laughs> I know. Them, a lot of them. I have not. We I don't think we've had those around here. Right. Pajama game, nineteen fifties. So Uh, that kind of fits in perfectly with the People's Bank Theater being an ancient theater that was just recently revitalized. When I was a kid, it was the Colony, yeah, and it was haunted, and we would go on tours down in the tunnel, and the guy smoking cigars, and you could smell (laughs) the smoke. Yeah, it was, (laughs) it was was an interesting tour. But uh, tell us a little bit about the People's Bank Theater now that it's fully up and running. You guys have a, a great committee of people. You got volunteers. Yeah. Basically keep those lights on and yep. amazing yep. shows. And every year it seems like you guys are getting bigger and bigger acts. Tell me a little bit That's about the cool. history of that theater.
1: Yeah, so the the name and the people who've owned the theater has changed a lot. So it it all started back on uh, May 18th, 1911, um, and it was a it was a, just a vaudeville house. You know when you think of like the old school comedy shows and like dance acts, burlesque too. That stuff happened there. Um, And then a fire happened in 1917, which, like, I don't know. There's so many buildings downtown that have been either impacted by fires or floods in this town. Um, But, yeah, that that happened in 1917. um, And an amusement company uh, immediately purchased it after that happened. Um, and then they vowed to, at once and more, to make it to an elaborate scale. And on May 9th, 1919, the new Hippodrome Theater was opened to the public. Um, the first show at the Hippodrome uh, was Daddy Longlegs, starring Mary Pickford. Um, so yeah, that was like the first non-vaudeville show at the theater. Um, so kind of kind of interesting. Um, kind of fast forwarding through time here, a lot of things have happened. Um, opening night, um, eight years before the advent of talking pictures, the new Hippodrome offered vaudeville acts, Broadway plays, music concerts, magical acts, silent films accompanied by Hippodrome's own five piece orchestra. So that's kind of cool. You go see a movie and you'd have like, Um, A little orchestra playing in the background, which I think would be really (laughs)
0: interesting. Do you know the difference between a uh, vaudevillian show and what they called a Nickelodeon? Was Nickelodeon movies? Mm. Like talking pictures with like an orchestra playing the music?
1: Yes, I do. So yeah, yeah, the Nickelodeon was definitely like, I think had to have film.
0: Like a silent film with an Mm -hmm. orchestra playing the music. Okay. Yeah,
1: or even people talking, I think, over the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good (laughs) question. good question I forgot about that term Nickelodeon um so yeah so um a lot of things happened since 1917 um in 1929 c amusement company installed a vitaphone talking and synchronized moving pictures and that was like a big thing back then they put an air conditioning in the theater which was like huh, huge like they would that would be like outside of the marquee like we have a c like, come in here and cool down and watch a film um, or see a show. Um, and then the, um, the costs were getting, uh, I guess, too much for this one um, company to ha- take on. So it switched ownership, and then they had a contest to uh, rename the theater. And on June 25th 1949, the Colony Cinema open to the public, showing Esther Williams' musical Neptune's Daughter. Never heard of that. I don't know if you've
0: heard of no, that. No, that, that was new to me as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, so kind of cool. And then um, it, it, we kept, they kept on bringing in awesome acts and shows. Some of the guests there included Boris Karloff, Count Basie, Mammy Smith, who is kind of known to be an uh, um, African-American woman, known to be like the start of blues, the blues genre in America. It's pretty fascinating. We have some more in- information about Mammy Smith on our website. Just real, um, real quick.
0: Yeah. Bo- Boris Karloff, the guy who played Frankenstein. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I have a record that I have in my collection that I got out of a, a big pick recently. It's Boris Kar- Karloff reading children's folk stories. I think it is amazing. Yeah. I I'm never <laughs> selling it. I'm never selling it because who would have ever thought not only, you know, Frankenstein can talk, you know, but it's that guy reading children's folk stories from all over around the world and things like that. So I'm going to research now what Boris Karloff did. Yeah. Here in Marietta. What was his performance like? Was he was he like storytelling? Was he singing? Who knows? Frankenstein may Mm -hmm. be able to sing.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. That's a lot of things about the, the history of our theater, it's, it is very limited what we need to know. So, we definitely rely a lot on our, our community and the people here. If you have any pictures or have any stories um, about the theater, you know, or have family members who would pass down the stories to you, like reach out to us. We'd love to hear it. Yes,
0: please. Uh, reach out to either People's Bank Theater or you can email me and I'll get her the information at First City Podcast at gmail com
1: yeah that'd be really cool i would love to hear your stories so yeah i got all those awesome things and then one of the biggest things that actually happened at the theater it happened on february twelfth, nineteen 1957 and they had the hosting of the world premiere of a movie it was not in hollywood it was here in marietta ohio on the premiere of battle him um, where rock hudson portrayed um, a marietta native colonel dean hess and um, there's pictures of, of Front Street and Putnam absolutely being completely covered with people. They had a parade and Rock Hudson um, was in it. And so that was like one of the biggest things that's probably happened in Marietta history. I mean, aside from the, you know, the 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 pioneers <laughs> settling here it yeah. was pretty big
0: do you have a photo of the rock Hudson yeah. riding in the parade at the theater or yes anything? You do? we do
1: I think we've shared them on on our Facebook page before send
0: it to me I'd love to share it to the yeah. to our listeners on the Facebook page the first city podcast Facebook page yeah
1: yeah we have pictures of him at the at the premiere outside the theater um it's pretty cool and it's really just cool to see those old those old school photos and what the town looked like and yeah it's really neat really neat Um, so yeah, fast forward on, um, in the sixties where, you know, we have a lot of more, um, movies happening at the theater. Um, and from 75 to 89, the colony changed hands several times. And in March of 1980, a failed boiler threatened to close the colony. But, um, a lady named Marjorie B became the first local owner of the theater and she, she bought it and, and saved it, um, and that happened in 1981, but unfortunately things got a little co- um, pricey, and it was forced to close um, in December of 1985, um, which is just so sad to think about that theater being empty and just sitting there.
0: And um, it sat it's there until the, the re- revitalization started, yeah. right? And, and when, yep. when, when 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 did that happen? I remember mm-hmm. maybe early 2000s was it?
1: So. So it was purchased by Dan Steffen Sr. in 1989 in the hopes that one day they can open it up again. And then thanks to People's Bank, you know, our namesake, and a bunch of other you know, um, you know people working to, to fundraise and secured um, grants and, and donations, it officially opened in 2016. I think it took – I mean, it was in the works for gosh – Several decades, I mean, 20 years, maybe um, I'm, not, I'm definitely not the person really to, to give too much detail on that. I mean,
0: I remember yeah. in high school when we would take those tours, the tours were helping fund the revitalization. That okay. was around that time for 2002 is when I graduated. Mm-hmm. And I think it was around that time frame. Um, might be asking Todd Burge that question next time I talk to him. Yeah. And uh, I remember the seats and everything were, were still everything was still in there. Um, everything cool. was just covered in dust mm-hmm. and spider webs, and it definitely had that creepy eerie feeling oh, that yeah. you want on a haunted tour, of course. Yeah. But, um, to see where it is now, it's just insane. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is, it's super, super cool. So 2016, they opened up the doors and, and we have been rocking ever since. Um, and, and yeah, our mission is, was to preserve and rebuild the theater how it was, you know, originally. Um, in order to, of course, just to keep that classic historical look, but also to, in, to secure that we could continue to get funding, you know, through historical preservation um, grants and stuff like that. So that's why our seats are a little bit small. That's one of our biggest, you know, maybe, um, I don't know if they're complaints, but just like reviews that we'll get. is like, awesome show, loved it. Like, no, not a bad seat in the house, but sometimes the seats can be a little smaller. People are really tall. Um, just because back in the day that's how they were. They're tight-knit little little seats. But I've been to several shows where no one is sitting, you know, yeah. everyone's up on their feet, you know, and having a good time. So, but yeah, I mean, so since then, since 2016, um, been bringing in all kinds of different things. Rock, country are our biggest thing, of course. That's our big money makers, but you know, next week we're gonna have body traffic in and they're a dance group, contemporary dance group.
0: And that's part of the Um, Esmond Shade series. Correct. Uh, Can can you tell me a little bit about who this Esben Shade person is? I'm not not familiar with with that and how that came to be, that it's basically free to the community to go. All you have to do is uh, is request tickets.
1: Yeah, it is free. So the tickets open up, I think, two weeks before each Esmond Shade show. So keep an eye on our website and our Facebook and our email for all of that. Um, but yeah, it's through Marietta college and it's, it's a series pre- presented by Marietta college and do, do, do let me see here. It's funded by the Frederica G. Esbenshade Memorial Fund. Um, and that's pretty much all I really know about it. <clears throat> people, at, other people at the theater might have some more insight, but it's awesome that we can, this, this fund allows us to bring in diverse acts, um, things that we normally wouldn't be, be having, you know, dance groups, mm-hmm. we'll have a pianist, a classical pianist come in. But yeah, so it's really cool that we're able to do that. Um, that's just one of the shows we have, you know, in February, we're gonna have uh, 38 Special, Sarah Evans, um, and those, I mean, not 38 Special, like not a tribute, like the actual 38 Special, so it's just really cool that we're able to get these big, you know, bands in. Um, and we had Styx, you know, in this past October, which yeah. was huge. I, st- I mean, I, uh, huge.
0: Sticks uh, had, had some of their members in the store. Yes. So oh. the, re- the how we ended up with all this autographed merch is, uh, they they came in and they wanted all these records. They didn't want to spend money. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> want to spend money. So they were like, <laughs> "Can we do a trade?" And I'm like, "You take, you know, go back to the bus. Let's get everybody to sign a couple records. Give me, you know, some, yeah. some sticks for sticks." Yes. Uh, so we got some drumsticks, autographed eight by tens, autographed albums, some yeah. t- press passes. Um, some other tchotchkes, and we called it. We called it even. I would have done it just because Sticks was in my store.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? So who was here? Was Tommy
0: Shaw in I here? I was home with my kids. I wasn't oh. in the store. I was so mad when <laughs> when, when my helper uh, called me and was like. Somebody from Styx is in the store. I don't I don't even know who it was. He didn't okay. know. Yeah. And uh, obviously you're not gonna ask which member are you? Right. <laughs> so,
1: like, who are you? Yeah, so basically oh, the, they made
0: they made it happen for the store, and it was a sad day for me. Right. <laughs> I know that for a fact.
1: Uh yeah, Styx is like <laughs> Styx is my all-time favorite band, like rock band. I've seen them several times, and they're still putting out music. I mean, they just released an album, I think, in the called the Crash the Clown, or not Crash the Clown, uh, Crash the Crown, maybe, in 2021. Anyways, it's awesome, Um, and they still perform amazing and sound amazing. It's just cool to bring those guys into our theater because, you know, we have just under 1,000 seats. So no matter where you're sitting, it's going to be, you're going to have a fantastic view, um, whether you're in the balcony or our our, uh, auditorium is sloped. So even if you're in the back, you can still see just fine um because it's like a sloped upward um you know auditorium um but yeah i mean we've had yeah just really i know we've had chicago in there before um and 38 special will be another really big one we're working on bringing in some more really big country acts again too like i said those are just our big our our fans our our patrons really love classic rock country so, it, yeah, it's really awesome what we can, we can bring in. I and mean, we just had Chris Janssen earlier this month. Yeah, killed it. I mean, he celebrated his fifth number one song um, while, we were, while he was performing there, like that day. So it was really cool to be there and witness that. And, yeah, history is continuing to be made at the People's Bank Theater.
0: <laughs> I'm really excited for Uriah Heap.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah.
0: Uriah Heep, Saxon. Is there a third act, or is it just Uriah Heep and Saxon?
1: Yeah, Uriah Heep and Saxon, wow. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's kind of a big deal for any any classic rock fan. We have a lot of Uriah Heep albums here in the store. I spend them all the time, mostly because the album covers. They had such iconic yep. artwork on their albums. I love their album.
1: The Yeah, the, the artwork on the albums are awesome. So I'm going to look up here really quick when they're coming, because, yes, we announced them a while back here, and they are coming on Thursday, May 16th, 8 p.m., I know that we've had people from all over the place, like calling us, messaging us, saying like, I'm coming up from South Carolina. Can't wait to see these guys. This is a ve- this is a different it's rock, but it's a different niche of rock music for us. A little more heavier, a little more like it's, you know, like the British rock metal a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm really excited for
0: it. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, the very next show coming up, What what, what is the next show That people can go see.
1: Yeah. So that would be the Esben Shade Body Traffic Show. And that is Wednesday next week, which is February 21st. The day after that, we got 38 special on the 22nd, 8 p.m. Most shows start at 8 p.m. Right after 38 special that Friday, next Friday, is Sarah Evans. And so that's going to be a busy week for us. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Boom, boom, boom.
2: (laughs) And you guys
0: run basically off of volunteers to help people to their seats, to do the concessions and things like that. Yep. It's an amazing thing, and um, hope to have you back in the studio. Uh, yeah. We'll probably have you back monthly to talk about what's coming up next or any big news, and if you have any in uh, information on uh, Ms. Esbenshade, if you're an Esbenshade fanboy, please reach out to me. I would love to know a little bit about her and her history and why... Uh, this series uh, you know in Marietta College happens I I think it's I think it's awesome I just like to kind of know a little bit more so Caitlin thank you very much for joining us we will see you again probably uh, in a few weeks and we'll talk about what's coming up next all right have a great one Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Miss Caitlin Streeter. I never thought in a million years that I would ever say Esmond Shade fanboy in my life. But if you guys do have any information on Ms. Esmond Shade and her love of local theater and why they are, there is a connection between the college and People's Bank Theater, feel free to shoot me an email. The email address is firstcitypodcaster at gmail.com. Now, real quick, before we get into the interview with Mr. Tony Workman, we're going to discuss a little bit about the things coming up in the store over the next few weeks. Coming up this Friday night, we have Jake Dunn and Nick Ditmeyer doing a live acoustic set in the store. Jake Dunn, as you know, is a local guy from Jake Dunn and the Blackbirds, one of my personal favorite alt-country actors. Outlaw country bands. We had them in the store for first Friday last month, and they rocked the house. We had a packed house, and it was absolutely amazing. I want to make sure that I got him back in. And he's bringing in his buddy Nick Dittmeier of the band Nick Dittmeier and the Sawdusters. He is out on tour right now, and he had a night off between now and a show in Cincinnati. So he's going to sit in and do an acoustic show with Jake Dunn. It's going to be completely unique. You're never going to get to see this type of show again. And they're going to you know, trade stories. They're going to trade songs. They're going to talk about you know, stuff. And they're going to do an entire acoustic set trading off songs. It's going to be a completely unique experience. We don't do a lot of live music so far uh, outside of First Fridays, so make sure to come and support the store and come and support your local music. And um, what we have offered is you can come to the show for free or you can donate 20 bucks and I'll give you a chair, some, uh, some free drinks and some free snacks. That way... You guys uh, can come in, enjoy the store, enjoy the show, and know that you're not only supporting live music, but uh, small business as well. Uh, coming up on 419, Taylor Swift's uh, Taylor's Tortured Poets Party. We have exclusive shirts up for pre-order at FirstCityRecordStore.com. If you're coming to that show, um, you can. Uh, it's for free. We're gonna have all kinds of fun things, including we're giving away a Taylor Swift autograph record. We have trivia. We have uh, bead making we have uh karaoke and uh, just meet and greet all of the other Taylor Swift fans in town the last time that we did this for the 1989 party it was a massive success we had 50 60 people in the store coming in for that so come and pick up her brand new album have a great time chance winning an autographed album and um uh, I've talked to my friend, Rebecca, who is the Taylor Swift cosplayer that we have. And I think we're gonna go with like a semi formal, formal black and white attire theme thing. Cause we're gonna be decorating the storage. We're going all out for this. It's gonna be super fun. Follow the Facebook page, First City Records on, on Facebook, and make sure also to follow First City Records, uh, the event page for the Taylor Swift thing. That's where we're going to have all the updates, including the link to pre-order that shirt if you're coming to the show and, and or if you're coming to the event and you want to pre-order a shirt to, to pick up at the event. They're locally made, so you're, you're helping multiple local businesses. It's going to be a really great time. Hope to have you. And uh, the very next day is Record Store Day. So I'm going to be super tired after two nights of uh, very big parties. Uh, So Record Store Day is coming. The list is live. we got about two weeks of uh, putting in your special requests. So if you make a request from me to get an album for Record Store Day, all I ask is that you shop at First City Records on Record Store Day so I don't get stuck with a crate worth of stuff because I have to pay for these things up front. And it would be great that if uh, you request something that you come Stand in line, be part of the event. It's going to be a great day. I've got uh, some plans that I'm going to announce later for Record Store Day, and we're trying to nail down a very special guest for next week's episode to talk about the Record Store Day list. And um, it's uh, Elmer Grelly from The Sound Exchange, the place where I bought my very first album when I was a kid. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about... Talking shop, we're going to talk about record uh, running record stores because he basically runs his as well. Um hoping to pull uh, to, to kind of pin that one down. We're going to call it the record store roundtable, and we're going to hopefully do an a la uh, high fidelity top five list of the things on record store day we're most excited for. I'm looking forward to sitting down with Elmer. It's been a while since we've kind of touched base on what uh, what's going on in his life. I'm looking very much forward to that. So I'm hoping we can pin that down for this coming week and not for the following week. So be on the lookout. Watch the podcast Facebook page, First City Podcast on Facebook, and uh, I'll let you know as soon as I know for sure. So let's jump right into my interview with Mr. Tony Workman. You know him as the owner of Classic Plastics. There's a lot of drama Uh Going on around, uh, you know, what happened to his store at the mall, what happened to a store in Canton. Um, I want to give him a platform and as much time as I possibly could to not only get to know him on a more personal level, because we've been friends for a long time, but I don't know a lot about him on the back end, as we would say. Uh, I wanted to sit down, talk shop a little bit, get to know him a little bit better. And then we dived right into the meat and potatoes, the drama. And uh, we talked a little bit about mental health and I wanted to make sure he was doing okay because, my goodness, it's been a weird couple months for him and I feel for him big time. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview. This is where I will leave you. I'll see you on the outro and enjoy my interview with Tony Workman. All right, guys, we're back and uh, we have our first guest in the studio today. It's Tony Workman, owner of the Classic Plastics toy show expo and the store which is now located at the rinks in uh, marietta so welcome in
2: thank you very much thanks for having
0: me you're welcome you're my first guest so we're gonna see how this goes all right (laughs) (laughs) try to take it easy we got some cold brews here and uh, hopefully this goes well so we'll see how it happens we've known each other for a lot. I don't even know how many years now. Several years. Yeah. I started it. coming into your shop when you were back down on Market Street. Okay. So was that your first location uh, after Rinks?
2: Yeah, first physical. Yeah. So that's what happened down there. Uh, the sales were just weren't there. Mm-hmm. They, uh, m- the main thing that I heard from people was that uh, they didn't want to pay for parking. Uh, there is free parking down there but you have to be willing to walk is the thing so it's a
0: parking was definitely an issue i, re- I remember that um, I deal with the same thing up on front street you don't have to pay to park but there's like a two hour limit good luck finding a spot on some days sometimes so I can see that that is kind of a hassle but uh yeah. had a good time taking our kids there uh you know they played the 1942 we'd always go through the old McDonald's toys yeah. and the wrestling toys when my oldest son was younger we we couldn't leave without getting a, a wrestling toy and all that <laughs> so when did uh, when did classic plastics become an idea before it became a store
2: mm. um, well it's i've been open for a decade so it's been over uh, over a decade i was working at rem uh it's in home care and uh I was doing like garage sales and just collecting on my own. And it just, it, it got out of hand. I had totes and totes and totes full of stuff that I was just kind of picking up because it was cheap. Some of yeah. it I was keeping, but I uh, it just went from there. I was, w- I was working this job. But I just felt miserable. I hated it. Uh, Were client, you working
0: direct care then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. working
2: in a, in an individual's home and yeah. he was uh, pretty aggressive a lot of the time. So uh, like I still, it's been years and I still kind of have nightmares about it. So it's yeah. okay. it, 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 I it's spent about 10 me. years
0: working direct care <laughs> and I'm not going to say where I worked, but I was hit in the face with a two by four. I was bit pulled. My car got pulled <laughs> off the side of the road wow. by an individual, grabbed the wheel. Yeah. I had one almost die on me, he had a peanut allergy that I, they never told me about. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, yeah, it takes a special person to want to be able to do that. Really? So yeah. I can see why you'd want to change and uh, go into business for yourself how did that happen? Like, how did you finally decide to pull the trigger?
2: Uh, well, I had been trying to talk my uh, friend into going in with me for the longest time, and he was just kind of dragging his feet. And I got to the point where I was just fed up, and I went into my friend's house, and I told his roommate, I was like, I'm starting it with, a, with or without him. Yeah. And so uh, it came time to go to... I decided to start at ringy Dinks just kind of bootstrapping it I had like 30 literally thirty dollars in my pocket and whatever toys that I was going to take and donate to the store originally and uh and I decided to open it the weekend of the Doratio. Oh so so I was very very mad when I was like all right here's the first weekend I'm open and then everywhere lost power for the entire weekend so I didn't yeah. officially open until the weekend uh, after that it was my first official. This I'm doing this, and I still I stayed with Rem for probably another two or three years, and I did that Monday through Thursday, and then rinks Friday through Sunday. So, Mm. I
0: remember the derecho. Uh, I was appraising a house when it first started, and uh, (laughs) and then we were in the process of moving from an apartment to a house in Upper Vienna, and trying to get a U U haul when there's no electric for a week, Uh, and I also had to DJ a wedding. During wow. the week, there was no electric and we ran off of three car batteries uh, until there was no gas left. And there was like a generator that ran out of gas. And uh, then and at that point, the party was over. It was yeah. at the, the Belpris Shriners Club. It was like 150 degrees in there. Nobody was wanting to dance. Everybody just wanted to drink and get get the hell out of there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was that would have been a crazy time to try to open a business. Yeah. Um, OK, so you're you're up at ranks. I remember taking my kids up there. We didn't know each other at the time. But we bought Pokemon cards again. Wrestlers. Um, I was always into VHS. I still collect uh, VHS, mostly horror stuff. But yeah. um, so, how long were you at Rinks before you decided to try something else? And when you tried try to, to to find another place, when did you decide on going to the mall?
2: Oh uh, well, the uh, Rinks was. I was probably there for three years, and then I decided to go. Oh yeah, down the Market Street. Down, yeah downtown. Okay. So I did that. I was I was there for almost. Three years. It was. It was two or three. It's. I can't remember now. Everything mm. blends together at this point. Um, but then things just weren't. They weren't going very well downtown. I was trying uh, different things. It just wasn't panning out. And I. And just one day, the mall had their uh, local lease person just walk in and be like, "Hey, this is a cool place. If you ever thought about going to the mall." And then my refer- first response was, "Well, I've heard it's pretty expensive." And yeah. he was like, "Well, not really. Let's talk." And we talked and. The price actually, compared to what I was paying, it wasn't that much more. Uh, and it came with a huge build in traffic. So I was like, oh, absolutely, all right, yeah. let's do it. So uh, I just then I decided to move. I moved within like, I think my, my, my lease was almost over at that point too, so. So you just jumped in head first. Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
0: Wow. Okay, now when we're talking about yeah, the mall, I, I, I reached out to them recently before I moved to my new location, mm-hmm. and they were talking about if you reach a certain dollar amount, then you start having to pay them <laughs> like a 10% royalty on your profits, Right. and, and rent goes up from November and December, and right. it just got too complicated for me to even wrap my head around thinking, thinking about it. Did, did they present it to you that way, or was this uh-huh. – compl-
2: I think it was a different
0: owner. When you first moved in,
2: yeah, I think we're on the third owner now, uh, and that lease person stayed working with the mall for like a month, and then went back to Coca Cola. Uh, uh, so he brought me in, and then ditched me, and then the new person came in, and yeah, uh, they definitely up front did not tell me the overages and all the extra stuff that I was going to have to pay. Um, so that that was definitely a surprise, and uh, I don't. It's no surprise small businesses don't do very well under that kind of uh, regimen like that just how do you I was paying so I was paying 2,000 for my space well at the time I think it was 1500 for the original but this last this where I was where I ended was 2000. And anything over 20,000, they got 10% of every penny after that. Uh, So if you make over 20,000 in a month, then they get 10% over that. And then, um, so October, November, December, which is the high traffic month, that's Christmas. You know, it's toys, they sell at Christmas. So I was, uh, well, originally changed this. So originally it was, those three months were higher rent. So I was paying double. So I was paying 4,000 a month per month for those three months. And then they got the overages went up, but I December I was still hitting those because it was it's Christmas. Yeah. I'm in the mall, I'm making lots of money. So, but then they took a, a good chunk of that for doing nothing. Um, so that, that wasn't very great. Um, and it did not get any better. <laughs>
0: definitely doesn't seem like their business model is set up for the small guy, it's no. definitely set up for <laughs> chains. And honestly, mm-hmm. I, as a person who's lived in Parkersburg and Vienna my entire life, I can say this that. It scared me too much to start a business in Parkersburg in Vienna because of all the chains and, and seeing all the mom and pops and the small guys last and then fall away. Yeah. And I thought if I had a chance of surviving at all, it would be in Marietta where people seem a little bit more attuned to um, supporting the local economy yeah. because there's more of it. And it's like Front Street, it's, I don't think there's anything... Chain related on Front Street, nothing
2: I can think of, and that was the that was the uh, thing about downtown on Market Street, is mm-hmm. that the whole goal of downtown PKB and when I was down there is we were trying to draw more business, but yeah. it ended up just being restaurants and office spaces, and there just wasn't any more retail that was following me down there to help build. They want, they really do want downtown to succeed. But I was the only retail place to have gone down there. and I think there might, there might be one or two down there now. but I
0: think you'd do better if you were down there now than, than back in the, back in the day. Yeah, It was just you guys down there and then the, the wine bar came in and right. that was nice, you know, to be able to get a cup of coffee and then go shop for toys or whatever. Um, I can definitely see the revitalization on, on Market Street. Um, but again, I don't really see any retail. It's mostly re- restaurants and bars and nightlife. Exactly. and yeah. I think that's great uh I, i'm 40 i don't go out after dark <laughs> so it's not for me but uh it's nice to see that it's happening in the discovery right. zone coolest place in town i like that place a lot have you ever been down in there
2: uh, not yet no i've seen yeah. a lot of people mention it my it kids look are awesome. obsessed
0: we go almost every weekend so
2: <laughs> awesome. it's
0: a really cool place um so anyways we're gonna dive into what happened with the mall later on in this interview but um i don't want to Spend the entire time complaining about uh, the mall. So let's talk about some other things. We got the Classic Plastics Toy Show Expo coming up in just a few weeks here, March second and third, as always at the Parkersburg Art Center on Market Street downtown, Parkersburg. Um, how many? How many? This is what the sixth show, seventh show? This is
2: the eighth
0: or ninth. I can't remember nine. which one. Yeah. Okay, and so the last show. Was okay. We did okay. Yeah. And then you immediately made the announcement that this may be, or this is the last one coming up.
2: Yeah. Are you talking September? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was,
0: was that based on an emotional response, or is that I am done with the stress of putting on this event, I'm going to do it one more time for my people, and that's it?
2: Uh, it's a definite mix of both. Uh, the being downsized and everything, all the financial, it's financially and my all of my employees are have gone on to somewhere else. So it's just kind of me and one other employee and it's just gotten too much to be able to continue.
0: Well, I think I've been a part of three or four of the eight or nine and I've always not only done well, but it's always a blast. I always like to see the vendors and my, I consider some of them friends now, um, and of course, I always like to buy some stuff that I don't need. I'm always a fan of buying stuff I don't need. I will be a vendor at the, the final show. Is it
2: still considered the final show? It is, yeah. Uh, I, Becky is the one I put her in charge of running it because it's it's gotten a lot, a lot over the years for me to, mm-hmm. to handle with that and the store. I had another location that I was doing too. So uh, she's been in charge of it for the last two or three shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mentioned to her, I was like, if people want to, come out in droves, I've been posting like, if you come out in droves, show us show your support. I mean, if we're if we're getting gonna get three, three to 4000 people through the door, that's another thing. But uh, numbers wise, uh, the way that it has been, it is not financially feasible for me.
0: As a person who also does their small business, basically, and feels like a by yourself, like, the weight of the world is on my shoulders every day,
2: Yeah.
0: to Buy the next collection. How am I going to get people in the door? What am I going to What am I going to do for marketing today? Um, I can imagine on a, such a grand scale putting on something like that has to be a massive undertaking. Trying to get that many people in one place and do it and make make money yeah. at it, and not only make money but also get your name out there so people will support you year all year long.
2: And September was definitely a, a different one because it was our first show outside of March. It's always been in the f- very first weekend of March. So mm-hmm. the September show was a second add-on that we were hoping that was, it, this was all before everything with the mall and the closing of the stores. So we were all, we were looking forward to growing even more and doing it twice a year. And we chose September because every, everything else around, we wanted a fall show, but we, wouldn't, we, didn't, we couldn't go up against Halloween so any of October was out um, so um, so we decided to, to go with September and the I guess I don't know if it was just people didn't realize that it was happening again or what but the number the numbers were very down and, and that it's not a surprise to you. like I said it was the first time trying something different uh, so we weren't sure how it was going to go but even if uh, the la- the previous one was in March, just based off of the March numbers, I, d- I don't think that it, there just isn't enough turnout to be able to. Uh, it takes three to six months planning and getting all this together. This for this upcoming March, we just the day or two ago, uh, we had three people cancel. So, luckily, we had um, a backup list that we were able to fill those tables, but like it. It's very po- at any at any point more people could cancel and then we just don't have more spaces. So it's yeah, it's de- it's the stress. It'll be nice if it's not the very last forever. It's definitely the very last for a while, so I can take some time. Understood.
0: Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Avocados, are they going to be in the house as usual?
2: Yeah, he is unsure if he's going to be out in the truck out front or if he's going to be up on the top floor in the kitchen. Uh, he is going to work on hoping to do the truck out front. It just makes it easier on everybody. Mm -hmm.
0: i gotta say they're my favorite food truck in town and jimmy's (laughs) social media if you're not following jimmy avocado on facebook you need to you need to do it he's a he's a character and he's a really great guy and he's supported my store he's came and uh, and set up things and a few different times that he's had to cancel last minute for one reason or the other he's always found a replacement for me and he's just a brilliant guy to have on your side and uh I I definitely hope to eat some more of his best tacos. Yeah, definitely. I love the that show. His
2: he's very uh, community oriented. He started doing yep. the Taco Tuesdays or free free for kid free Taco Tuesday for kids. Uh, I, I think I I assume it comes with a purchase that your yeah. child can eat for free. But that that's pretty cool. Not a lot of places do that. Yeah, and I'm stoked that he has a physical location now too. Yes, he is a former
0: Mama Mia Pizza uh, something a Mia. Yep, making Mia Pizza yeah. down in the the bottom of Market Street. Yep. So definitely go and show uh, the physical location of Jimmy Avocado. Some love if you're downtown. I think it's near the, um, the, the big gas station. What is that?
2: Uh, sheets. Yeah, the, sheets. You, yeah you, the parking lots are connected, so you can just park at Sheets if you want to.
0: All right, let's change gears here a little bit. And I have a, a question here from an audience member. Oh, okay. <laughs> they want to know... Um, since you are a um, toy collector, that you must have a massive personal collection, or maybe in the past have had a massive personal collection, what do you collect? What are your favorite things to collect in your collection? And what is the most expensive item in your collection? So let's start with the first question uh, What do you collect the most of?
2: Uh, mini figures. Uh, that's like Muscle Men, mon- Monster in My Pocket, uh, just anything like an inch or smaller just small uh, i have thousands of them and they take very little space do you so collect bots? i do i have a that's something that uh i'm I've been recently having to unload some of my collection and that is going to be one of the last if i can let them go <laughs> if you decide that you don't want to let them go i have several left uh, over from a
0: massive collection that yeah. i had of bots. Awesome. but i also adore muscle men and when i think of minifigures, figures um i immediately go to the monsters in my pocket yeah um mm-hmm. I collected those as a kid. I had no idea as a kid that they had variants and, and things like that. And there's right. chases. I mean, the, 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 that whole w- world doesn't exist. Really. When we were kids, we just collected them to collect them. Right. And uh, now there's like people hunting these variants.
2: Yep.
0: Some when it was like, for a lot. I thought it was just yellow, you know, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> know that it wasn't that important. What's your favorite piece in your collection that you're never going to get part with?
2: I have some stuff from my childhood that I don't have a whole lot left. It is an Ultimate Warrior uh, pillow buddy. I think that's what the pillow buddy or Smash Buddy or whatever they were called. Yeah, I think they were Smash Um, Buddies. Yeah, I have have, uh, Ultimate Warrior, and then I have my little brother's uh, Hulk Hogan.
0: See, when we were younger, we had the Ultimate Warrior, Hogan, Jake the Snake, and I think the Macho Man. My brother colored the Macho Man's nose purple (laughs) to match his tights. (laughs) Made me so mad. I would love to have those things back again. And they're making those again, they too, are, right? of modern wrestlers and uh, like they're selling them at conventions and whatnot.
2: Have you seen the horror ones? No. They're doing like Leatherface in the same style. So I th- uh, I'm not sure. Somebody online has them. I'm not sure who.
0: <laughs> All right. And um, what is your probably your most expensive piece in your collection? You're the one that if you were to show off your collection to somebody who says coming to your house for a podcast, would you show them and be like, this is the, um, the holy grail of the collection. Uh,
2: well, I recently sold that. Uh, so I would say any of my Mad Balls now, I, I have a pretty decent sized collection of Mad Balls. But the, the one that I had sold was a, Are you familiar with um, uh, Loyal Subjects? No. It's a vinyl, articulated vinyl uh, figure company. They make like, I think they're three inch or four inch figures. And in it. it was a Dragon Ball Z Goku. But what they do with every line that they do, they do Thundercats, G.I. Joe, a whole bunch of different lines. And they'll have 28 figures that are, like, they're the same figure, but they're painted so they're a variant or a chase. And they're called Club 28, and there's only 28 that were made and will only ever be made. Uh, so I sold that along with the regular version of that same Goku figure, and it went for almost 400 Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that amount, so.
0: Okay, and do you remember uh, a couple years ago you sold me that My Pet Monster? Yeah. That My Pet Monster is literally how my store was born. Oh, nice. Because that was my best friend and my buddy growing up, three years old. That was, like, literally it it was with me everywhere. It was my Linus blanket, if you will. It went everywhere with me. And then just getting that piece back, like, brought back so much nostalgia and so much love for things that i used to have because we had a house fire and i lost everything from my childhood oh, wow. so coming to your store was more of a cathartic experience than it was a shopping trip yeah. it was seeing and replacing certain items that i thought i would never see again That's awesome. what piece from your childhood were you able to get that brought back the best memories
2: I'd probably say micro machines. I was just going through those the other night, just like looking at them, and I, I forgot how some of them had doors that opened or their hoods opened, or they they had like attachments you could put on top of them to make them into monster cars and all kinds of. They had uh, micro mini micro machines, which are super tiny. I have a I handful remember those. of those. Uh, so yeah, it's really nostalgic on that.
0: I remember the commercials with the guy that could talk so crazy fast <laughs> yeah. and he was like on an episode of say by the bell is like a substitute teacher or something. It was, it was like, Hey, that's the guy from the, from the micro machines commercials. <laughs> Do you remember the hot wheels, um, the garage playset from the eighties yeah. that it was like that tan and brown monstrosity and it had like the little gas pump you could pump your gas with. Yeah. I saw somebody post that on Facebook and it brought, it brought back the same kind of feelings. Yeah. Um, kind of pivoting off of that question, um, do you prefer selling the modern toys, or do you like selling and collecting and buying collections of the vintage toys more?
2: Uh, vintage, for sure. The the mall had me branch out. Well, they didn't, but me being at the mall had me try to branch out to do more of the newer stuff, and to help, since I already had a pretty solid focus on vintage, so I just I wanted to expand it, and so the modern was the best way to go. Um, but with a, and I think that's a question that you're going to ask later about the toy market in general. That like the prices are just getting insane, and it was very, it was really difficult to keep up with how much they were turning out and how much more they were than before COVID.
0: See, I, I noticed that I wanted to support the store way more than I could f- feasibly do with four kids, yeah. and you know, trying to run my own small business. Just seeing. Ooh, it's Karate Kid! My favorite thing in the world. I collect everything Karate Kid, but everything was thirty, forty, fifty dollars for 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 an action figure, and some of them weren't painted the the greatest. Right, cross-eyed, you know, what what have you? So you, you know, you, sometimes you had to pick and choose um, which ones you could get and which ones which companies. Uh, for one, a lot of people would say hold their value better in case there was a rainy day and you have to sell them. I guess, yeah. Um, Funko Pops is something I'll never understand. <laughs> I don't know why people collect them and, and go crazy the way that they do. I have a few. Yeah, it's usually things that are like emotionally attached to me, like let's say Brad from Rocky Horror, because um, I played Brad, Brad and Rocky Horror at the Actors Guild, and maybe just a few musicians. Um, if they ever make a John Candy one, I would definitely get that. Oh, definitely. Because um, he was like my first celebrity. Like he was my dad. Like I watched John Candy every day. I remember the day he died. I remember my mom coming to the bottom of the stairs and screaming up to the top of the stairs that John Candy had just passed away. You shouldn't remember that at 12 years old. Yeah. He was the first death in my life that really like, you know, did something to me. Do you collect Funko Pops? And if so, what which ones do you have? Because you sell a lot of them. Do you have yeah. any
2: yourself? Uh, I did, and then I realized how much of a problem it was kind of turned into. Uh, but they they really do they get out of hand because they and, and part of the reason why they sell so well is because like you you are getting specific ones of things that you liked, and that's that's what it is. They make so much that it doesn't matter if you like DC or you like Marvel or whatever they're bound to have already made a Funko Papa of something that you want. So, if it's, especially if it's something they don't make a lot of action figures or anything of period, I'm sure Funko's made it. And so people wanna be able to put that on their, on their desk. Uh, and talking about John Candy and Funko, I'm really surprised that they haven't done him yet. That's Yeah, they,
0: they, I mean, they could do a whole series on his movies. My ah. goodness, from uh, Who's Harry Crumb and and dressing up in that big drag outfit that he wore. Camp Candy. Yeah. Do you remember Camp Candy, I the do. cartoon? Yeah. That that show should have lived on. I, why is that not on DVD? Going on a tangent there. <laughs> to kind of bring it back, uh, back around. Okay, so one thing I noticed as a business owner when I tried to get into some of the toys is you can't just buy two or three for your shop. They are like, you have to buy the entire series run. You have to spend X amount of dollars and you have to place another order by X date to stay a member of our elite society of toys. As a record store owner, I can buy Taylor Swift has a new record coming out. I want 10. Um, Deftones have a new record. 10 Um, hollow notes. Have a new record. One, get one and I can buy one and nobody bats an eye. How in the world can a toy store function by having to buy cases upon cases of the exact same thing, without knowing if the market's gonna want that? Like, how much backstock do you get stuck with, and how do you alleviate
2: that backstock? Uh, a lot of backstock, actually. And the thing that helped the most with that is uh, that I had two stores. That uh, my brother ran the one in Canton. So a lot of the time, if it was something that we knew we were kind of iffy on, we'd just order it for one for one store. And then when I was getting ready to go up there to do it, we did inventory swaps a lot. So it was just, uh, I'd set half the case aside and take the other half to him. Uh, so most of the co- companies that I ordered from, they'd make me do a minimum of six. Uh, so it was, in our minds, it was really easy just to get rid of three and three. Uh, and for the most part, it was. I'm at, we definitely have some duds. There's surprisingly, NECA had a Jaws Hooper figure that just, this la- we were at a show this past weekend and we were selling them for like five, ten bucks. I've never sold a NECA. It hurt. I've never sold a NECA figure that, that cheap before. I don't know what it is about that figure. It's it's a good figure. If you like Jaws, you should want that, but man. Now,
0: was Hooper Richard Dreyfus or was he the the, the, the shark captain? Uh, Dreyfus. Dreyfus, okay. Yeah. Eh, it's one of my favorite movies, but I can <laughs> I can see a Richard Dreyfus action figure not selling well. Yeah. I don't I don't know. There's certain records that I buy that and I bought like the brand new Greta Fleet album. I bought like 20 copies of that record and I still have 10 wow. or so, and every time somebody comes to the store asking for a donation for whatever, that's the record I go back to the closet and like, here, take one of these. Yes, it's a $30 record, but at this point, I just have so much backstock it's just nice to be like, that's my write-off for the month. You know? yeah, I did that a lot yeah. with Funko. All right, and on that, we're going to take a short little commercial break and when we get back with Tony, we have a lot more questions, including like his love of plants and animals as well as we're going to talk about the mall and, uh, what happened with the classic plastics at the mall and the dreams for the future. We'll be right back. All right. We are back and we got Tony Workman still in the studio. We're going to be moving on to a couple different topics, but first let's talk about your love of plants and animals. Um, We've been friends on social media for several years now, and it seems like you tend to post more about composting, flowers, your pets, your love of animals, uh, self-sustainability. You post about things like that more than you even do about toys or your business a lot of the time, especially in the summer. Yeah. What is that?
2: Uh, well, it's, it's kind of an escape for me. Uh, I mean, the, my, my business and what I do most of the time has to revolve around toys. So if I do post about toys it'll be something that I I personally like in a line and that'll be from my personal page but a lot of the time I just keep the toys to my business page so if I or in my in my toy club on, uh, group on Facebook and kind of separate it and still kind of have kind of a, a life outside of the store um, plants and animals are something I'm super passionate about yeah po- possibly even more so than toys um, I've i can remember the very first time my dad took me out to, to his flower beds and lifted over a rock and saw a worm under it and was like hey look at this worm and i was just like i was, I was stuck from then on i was like there's stuff under rocks and so uh, yeah I've, i'm super big into gardening a lot of it is a uh, self-sustainable kind of a thing like the older i've got the more I, i've wanted to grow my own kind of food uh save it you know prepare for things like we were talking about the storm that knocked out power for the weekend. Like it would have been nice to not have my wife and I, we didn't have air conditioning and we didn't have food. So we went to Cracker Barrel and we ate and charged our phones for a couple hours and stayed in the air conditioning during that. So like, yeah, if we had had food here, cause all of it went bad in the freezer or whatever. Um, so it's, it's, uh, that's also part of like being a business owner. You want to, you want to provide for yourself and your, for your family. And so a lot of the gardening, like especially in the growing months of crop season, I try, we try to grow a lot of our own food to feed ourselves. Um, so it's, it's kind of, and it's a, it's a immediate, it's not an immediate return. Return. It's a definite return when you get, when you can go outside and you can pick something out of your garden, you can come inside and you can cook it right in your kitchen. Something
0: that you planted and yeah. nourished and took care of. Yeah. It's like a baby yeah. that you grow and then you get to eat. Yeah,
2: <laughs> right. And it's something that people can't take away from me. Whereas the the toy store, you know, I, I work hard, I sell those toys, I make some money, and then the government, and then the place where I rent from, and my insurance and all these other places take. So I so I make $100. And I'm probably netting 10 15 20, if I'm lucky on a good day. Um, it, it's, it's a lot. So it's nice yeah. to be able to step back and just kind of actually be in, it, it puts me in reality too, like, I'm, I deal with people on a regular basis. Sometimes I just need to sit down with my dog or my chickens, or just kind of watch them do their thing and not have a care in the world. They're just they're just sitting there, like scratching at the ground. You know, it's it's really relaxing. Sometimes I wish I was an animal. <laughs> I look at my dog and watching there <laughs> licking himself and yeah.
0: scratching himself, and I was like, man, you're just wasted <laughs> space, but you're living your best life. Best life. <laughs> So you're talking about wanting to provide for your family. Most people may may not know that you are married. Yeah. Uh, she seems you. to be a very private person. She, she's rarely ever seen or talked about, yeah. but she exists. And she <laughs> actually is the person who takes care of my baby at the daycare. Yeah. I did not know this until my wife told me. That's how I knew where you lived. Okay. My wife was like, that's Tony's house. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you know that? She's like, Trudy told me. <laughs> <laughs> so... Tell me a little bit about Trudy. Does she collect anything? Does she uh, inhibit your collecting? Or does she uh, maybe re- re- reel you in every now and then? Or does she have to reel you in every now and then? Tell me a little bit about Trudy.
2: Uh, she doesn't really collect a whole lot. I know her mom bought her. like She has a small collection of like bells. She doesn't do toys or anything like that. Um, uh, I'd say she collects... God's word. If that's the she's she's going to church all the time, and she's a very very devoted religious person. Um, So that's uh, she doesn't really collect any physical things. Really, Uh, we have so much more in common than I ever knew.
0: (laughs) My my wife, similar to Trudy, went. uh, Did she go to Ovu too? Yeah, yeah. That's how I met my wife. She went to Ovu. And she doesn't drink, she doesn't smoke, she doesn't cuss. She still doesn't cuss uh, other than sometimes at uh, at, at the, the thought of the kids moving at five in the morning. <laughs> but apart from that, it's like we we're so polar opposite. She doesn't yeah. collect anything. Well, she she likes books. She reads books, but she doesn't collect to collect things. Right. It's weird how polar opposites can, can attract. And it's nice to see another couple out there surviving being so different. Cause everybody gives like, you're not going to, she's not going to marry you. It's (laughs) like, dude, you are like wild child smoking, drinking, going out on the weekends, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if you did that, but that was me in in my early days. And she didn't reel me in. It's like, I found, I feel like I found my rock. Trudy, uh Trudy seems like a wonderful person. Obviously, I, I trust her with my child, <laughs> little <laughs> Phoenix. But uh moving she on. She loves from.
2: that job, by the way. Absolutely. Loves your kid and loves that job.
0: <laughs> I don't think I could I don't think I could do it. I took care of all my kids. Well, three out of the four of my kids throughout the entire pandemic. Actually, no, Phoenix wasn't even born yet. I took care of the the two kids that we had at the time throughout the pandemic, morning to night. Judy worked, I stayed at home. This was like right as I was getting to start the detailing business and whatnot. And I couldn't imagine being with kids as my job. So hats yes. off to anybody that works in the, in the daycare and um, childcare field. Uh, much respect. And if you end up having like a bad day, totally get it. Totally <laughs> get it. So we're going to move on now. Let's talk a little bit about um, mental health a little bit. Before we start talking about the mall and the inevitable closing of the classic plastic store at the mall and at the Canton location, let's talk a little bit about how you're doing. I just kind of want to know, kind of, you know, man-to-man checking in. Um, That has to be crazy, being told, here's your spot, we're moving another business to your spot, and we're going to sit you right in front of your old spot. Yeah, that's not good. I almost shed tears when I walked past it and I was like, cause just as a man, not even as a business owner, like I'm getting emotional about it now. It's like I couldn't imagine how you have this thing that you as a business owner, you work twenty-four hours a day, you know, loving and nurturing and caring for and trying to make special for people, not just your, your family. You're trying to make it special for everybody that comes to your store and then just being shoved out of it, like a orphan, with the "Please, oh, can I have some more?" like, how are you doing? That time had to be really hard to get through.
2: Yeah, uh, now I'm, I'm doing, but I'm, I'm getting there. It's, there's still a lot. Uh, it's going to be a lot of work. I have a, a, a long road ahead of me. Uh, when it, when it first happened, she kind of, the lease lady kind of gave me a little bit of, of a heads up, so I had. I had a little bit longer than the 30 day eviction notice that they gave me. She did let me know that, hey, there are people looking at your space. So I think I had two or three weeks more than that to kind of prep. But the, so they, she emailed me to officially say, hey, here's your 30 day. And then um, it was either the day after or the day before, uh, two dogs that I had rescued off the Emerson here where I live, I put them in my backyard, gave them back to the owner. Um, they came and killed half of my animals. And then the, I think it was the day after the, or before the eviction, um, they came back and they killed the rest of them. So like I went one day I was losing my store and then the next day I lost the rest of my animals. So super was not good. (laughs) Uh, now, I'm trying to rebuild the store to the whatever I can, and I've slowly started to get my some of my animals back, and hopefully the dogs are taken care of. Uh, I gave them back to the owners again, and law enforcement was involved in all that. Why not? So I hope they, they went to take the dogs from them, and the owners said that they rehoused them. I hope that's true. I, I hope I don't see them again, because... Do have more animals again, but I did fortify my fence. So if anybody says, "Well, what are you gonna do?" They, this time, they should not be able to get in my yard. I made yeah. sure that they couldn't. But
0: as the old adage goes, there's not a bad animal; it's
2: uh, bad owners. Definitely, I, I animals
0: are gonna be animals. They're gonna do what animals do. Yeah, the owners uh, are the ones at fault for whatever uh, happens. And I'm sorry to hear about your animals. I, I, I think I remember seeing something about that, but I didn't know to what extent.
2: Yeah, it was precious, wow. and uh, people were like, "Well, they were just chickens. What did you do to eat? Did you butcher them and eat them?" Like I wasn't thinking about that at that point. The, I didn't get the an- those animals at the time for the intention of eating them. I, I got them to have them and to get eggs from them, so they weren't meant to be m- meat birds. And then I had two ducks, which were my those were my babies. Like I, I raised all of them from when they were super small. But the ducks had an attachment to me, so anytime I went outside. I heard them. They ran to me, um, and and the female she got a she got really badly injured that first attack, and I rehabilitated her on my back porch. And then that second time, she was all I, I saw the chickens scattered all over my yard, and my the, my only concern was where are the ducks? And I didn't hear them. Oh. The, she had the dogs had killed her, and then injured the male. So I tried to rehabil- re- rehabilitate him on the porch, and I think. Um, just out of sp- injuries and stress and loss of his mate. He just didn't have it in him to make it, so he didn't make it through the night. Uh, and they're all, they're all buried in my backyard now. So
0: My next-door neighbors have ducks and chickens as well, and, and dogs. Every morning we hear the, the rooster crow, I mean, anytime my kids go in the backyard, all I hear is like they're (laughs) laughing at me. I was like, I know I need to lose five pounds. (laughs) A duck and chicken as as pets. (laughs) So it is definitely a thing. I have neighbors that have them and uh, the loss has to be completely real. Yeah. So let's get into the mall situation. You've kind of filled me in off camera here about some of the. Backstage things going on. Um, a lot of people know some of the story. They know what you've shared, they know what they've heard. But I felt like you deserved a soapbox to kind of not only tell the real story so people can hopefully get off of it a little bit. Because at my store, like, if they're not talking about X, they're talking about Y. And if they're not talking about Y, they're talking about you, Tony. Because in my small little world, we're all connected symbiotically. Yeah. And um, people want to know. And I'm like, I don't have a clue. I want to start a (laughs) podcast so I can interview you. (laughs) (laughs) That's not why we started this thing. But it's definitely what I made you my first guest for is because I want you to not only thrive and regrow rebuild from the ground up as you seem to be doing. But I want you to be able to speak your truth to a wide audience one time. So you don't have to do it every day of your life.
2: Yeah. I have, I've have done it a lot. So hopefully the, this helps stop it.
0: So I'm going to, I'm going to be done talking and I want you just to say what you want to say. I may interject here and there, but, uh, right. the floor is yours to let people know the truth.
2: So just basically what happened. Okay. So, uh, the malls have two different kinds of leases. We'll just start there. The specialty lease is what I had that allows the mall to be able to boot you around whenever they want for a permanent, if a permanent lease wants their space, they can kick you out. The permanent leases are four times more than, a, than, a, than a, uh, the other lease. So the space that I was in, they um, I, I actually went because I was afraid I was going to get kicked out. I was like, well, how much is a permanent space? So they wanted for three thousand square foot. I was paying two thousand dollars a month, uh, no utilities included. Um, they they wanted me to pay to not be kicked out. They wanted me to pay eight thousand dollars a month. Um, there's no way. I I on my best on my best. I've never. There's no way I would have been able to do that. Uh, so I just kind of dropped it and knew. Okay, well eventually I'm gonna get kicked out. Uh, and you never expect you you never know when it's going to happen you know you just hope that hopefully nobody ever wants your space Uh, unfortunately the last few months of 2023 the mall uh, was able to brag about the fact that they were at capacity which meant that since they had a permanent space look, looking at my space that they didn't have anywhere to move me. Now I had been moved before. I don't know if you remember, I was, I was moved into this tiny and it was right before they, they shoot, they have the worst timing on this too. Cause both times was just so close to Christmas. Uh, that that's, you know, that's the, that's the time of the year for most retail small businesses. That's when you're going to make most of your money. Uh, so the, the first move It definitely dropped my my sales, but it wasn't super bad because I still had a store. But the kiosk that I had to be in because there wasn't any space uh, did not go well. I don't know if you care about the kiosks in the like around Christmas time, all those pushy kiosk people that like walk up to you and try to hand you stuff and Mm -hmm. they just won't take no for an answer, you know that it's called a kiosk mentality that like anytime people see a kiosk they, their eyes automatically go back down to the floor and they don't pay attention because they're afraid people are going to be pushy in them that's the every kiosk i've ever been to has been like that i so, didn't
0: know that was a thing but 100 yeah. fact when yeah. those people ask me about skincare products <laughs> or putting like weird uh like massage things on me or or, or the guy that uh um, does the, the airplanes flying around, want yeah. you to fly an airplane around the mall. And yeah. I either get on my phone, look to the right the, or down, <laughs> or pretend like my kid's doing something, and exactly. and they still, like, follow you. And they're yep. like, no, 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 I'm, no I'm not in, not interested. And then those, Yeah, I yeah. guess it is a thing. I, I never even thought it's, about it.
2: It's a mental thing. And businesses, a lot of people don't realize, there's a lot of mental things that go into... Uh, sales, like how you, how you set up your store, how people, the flow of your store is going to dictate what sells better, where, you know, because thing, people go in a store, people go a certain way. And then it's weird to watch. Most people all go the same way, especially with the way that I had my layout. They all went to the left and then they went to the back and then they did a loop around. So in a kiosk, like for one, you're not normally allowed inside of a kiosk, which is something that was different than for me because I had so much inventory. Uh, there wasn't like there wasn't a way to display it well enough, so I had to open it up and people did. For the most part, people didn't know they could walk in. Yeah. So, you tried so hard uh, to get people. Like every Facebook <laughs> post was, "Come
0: inside the kiosk, yeah. come inside the kiosk." But having so many small miniature items yeah. and and things out of box. It had to be such a challenge yeah. to get people to not only look over that you're there, but to keep people in in the retaining. Yeah. Retaining
2: had to be difficult. Yep. And even even if they did see me and they did come into the kiosk, I had maybe a third of the inventory that I had, and I went to I went to from three thousand square foot to like eight hundred square foot. Uh, so I ended up having to get two storage units. I'm still paying five hundred a month on storage units that's full of. it displays and all kinds of like over overstock the bunch of stuff that i have left over um so yeah so i went from so i was when i was in my space i was making those last few months that i was in there i was making 20 to thirty thousand. and then i went out to the kiosk and that first month i dropped maybe five to ten and then i went down i was making seven to eight thousand dollars a month
0: so what people mo- might not understand about what we do in, in retail and in reselling, if you will, um, you may have a twenty thousand dollar month. But think about it this way: a record, because you know I'm going to say a record because that's what I know. A record costs me thirty dollars, and the re- recommended uh, retail price is thirty seven ninety nine. Factor in shipping. Factor in um, the fact that Amazon is out there undercutting everybody, you're lucky to make $5 profit per item. So you might have made $20,000, but profit, you may have only made a couple hundred dollars a month, you know, just enough to pay the bills to keep the lights on. Right. Toys have a little bit better of a markup, I think, because you have to buy, buy the case.
2: Yeah, um, thir- it's about a 30% markup, um, but the vintage stuff is w- what the you know, you can get a bigger margin because the we kind of dictate the price, yeah. whereas the companies, the new companies kind of dictate what we pay them. So, yeah, if um,
0: people don't realize it. But the reason we have giant signs say we buy collections, we buy records, we buy toys is because that's where we survive. Yeah. Amazon and Walmart of the world and places in the mall, they don't resell. Nostalgia, yeah. we do and that's how we survive. The rest of the stuff is kind of like icing on the cake. It gets new people in the door, it gets exactly. young people into the hobby. But we can't survive on the brand new sealed stuff, right? Even at 30%.
2: Yeah. and it's not great cuz like that's 30% profit, but then that's 30% on that toy I still have like you said overhead that's not net, you know. It's I might be making 30% over what I paid, but that 30% is getting eaten up by it's the if I made if I had a good month the mall got 10% of that yeah which is crazy yeah so
0: when you see those shop local and support your small businesses and things it's not just catchphrases right it it is a hundred percent fact that the only way we survive is by people supporting us yeah. and bringing in these collections we're not fortune 500 companies obviously yeah. but um, we don't have to be to survive. You just have to have the c- community support, right. which is something that you've never had a problem with. You've been able to build from a kiosk to a small store to the mall. And would you think that where would you have gone if things didn't go south with the mall? Was there anything else in the future that you were maybe planning on on building further? Other shows? other stores because you seem to have your hands full you're at yeah. you're you're in athens you're in is it canton canton yeah. canton you're uh, at the mall you do these toy shows you do all the d- different fair or conventions that come around it within a driving distance
2: yeah.
0: there couldn't have been enough time in the day to think f-
2: past yeah i was i was set where i was i had more than enough to take keep me busy and uh, i was just going to focus on refining everything just making it better uh, you did I, every
0: day and that every time I went to that store in the mall the signage how bright and cheery it was um that, that that's the most heartbreaking thing is when you walked in it was like it looked more professional than most chain, big box chain stores you really truly had built something to be super proud of and everybody that I know is going to miss it dearly and I really hope that the, the, the ranks thing is a way for you to build back to something who knows what. Yeah, Don't worry about like, it for now. You're right. still, <laughs> you're still <laughs> building your shelving and, and yeah. getting going. But um, I really want you to, to walk away from this knowing that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were affected by the store and not just in a retail sense. Um, so anyways, let's get back to the mall they moved you to a kiosk, and uh, it was again at a very unfortunate time. And um, what led to the actual closure, and what's happened since?
2: Uh, well, like I was saying, the, the sales tanked. Uh, they went from twenty to thirty. Like Aaron said, they weren't that wasn't all profit. So that's the gross. Um, so then I went to a seven thousand to eight thousand dollar gross a month, which was astronomically lower. Uh, you know, that's my, my employees were almost as much as that. So I, I let, had to let my, most of my employees go. Um, I tried to stick it out as best I could. I don't know if you saw, I was trying to make pepperoni rolls with the cottage law. I was trying everything I could just to draw people, just to get sales anywhere near what they were. And it just didn't, I just couldn't, they just weren't there. And everybody was saying, oh, it's just a bad economy. It's just a bad economy. I, yes, if I had, if I were still in my store, my sales would be down, down, agreed, how, how down they were from where I was in the kiosk going from 30,000 to 8,000, that's not down, that's, that's like a stone, a drop in a stone, you know, that's just non, not able to continue going from there, so uh, the mall, like I said, that they wanted 22,000, so make like the kiosk was 2,002, that's what I was paying for that kiosk. They were charging me the same amount of money for that tiny little kiosk that they were for the 3,000 square foot store that I had. And when I asked them why, they said they were raising rent on everybody because, luckily for them, quote, luckily for us, we are at capacity, which means they were price gouging people. That's exactly what that is. So I don't, know, I don't know if I sound upset. I am. Uh, that's it was not cool. It's not a cool business decision. They and now when. Uh, you look at the mall, they have like eight empty stores and that happened in a matter of a couple months. And it's no wonder. I, I, I don't I don't uh, I, now I can see why malls are suffering if this is how they do business. They were super supportive of small business up until they just weren't anymore. And then they got rid of uh, Work of Heart was the first one. They booted them for some super overpriced, super fancy club dress place that I don't understand. Uh, and then they booted me for, which I think is a still a small business, but I don't know how they're able to, if they're charging them $8,000, I gotta tell you, I don't know how they're doing it because I like rocks. I actually have a collection of rocks myself, but you would there was no way that that place needed 3,000 square foot for rocks. Uh, it's, it's nothing against that business. I don't know those owners. I don't know those people. Mm. Good luck to them, but like that was not a smart decision on the mall's part, to, in my opinion.
0: Well, I don't, I, uh, I'm gonna interject that I don't think it was a smart decision on the Rock people's part for <laughs> taking over one of the mo- most beloved stores that our town had. Yeah, um, yeah but uh, yeah. not gonna speak ill of another small <laughs> business. It's, right. I just feel like that was like,
2: wow, I can't believe that another small business
0: would muscle. Yeah.
2: Another yeah. small business out of their spot like that. And the, and the mall tried to get me to do that same thing. And yes, I, I guess maybe that was a mistake. People could probably see that as a mistake for me not taking it and doing the kiosk instead. Um, but they wanted me to take out that the JV market. It's like the place right next to Dunham's that, or is it next to Dunham, that has the like the drinks and snacks and stuff. And they, they said they didn't want really want them there anymore, and they were trying. They were like, well, if you want us, if you want that space, we'll just have to give them a thirty day notice, like we're giving you. And I'm like, I'm not kicking somebody else out. You've done this to me twice. I know what it feels like. I don't, I, I, vending machines, you could put them anywhere, but I don't care. It's the it's the um, it's just not how you do business for me. Like if somebody's paying their rent, you just leave them alone. They should have just left me alone. So they didn't. They kicked me out. My sales tanked. And then I wasn't able to keep up with rent anymore. And they were giving me warnings that, oh, if you don't pay your rent, we're gonna default you. I'm like, okay, well, like I said, my sales aren't there because you put me in a kiosk, so I don't know how I'm supposed to pay my rent. Um, And then that was that. They they defaulted me and I decided before they tried to take any of my inventory or do anything else that I just needed to get out. So I just, I I went, the Canton store did the same thing. They defaulted me, so I went up and I packed it up and then uh, within the next week, I packed up here and put it all in storage. And then so. you got a hold of uh, Billy. I did, yeah. And uh, he he has been awesome. The rinks move, I think, is going to be for the better. Um, it's definitely going to be difficult going from seven days of sales to three days of sales. Um, but hopefully if people follow me there and I can get out more inventory and I can make it like maybe hopefully I can make it just as good as the mall location was.
0: And I know for a lot of the, um, retro inventory, a lot of the people around here may have already have seen a lot of the things. So yeah. you're able to use those couple of days now to focus more on your online side of things, yeah. get a much bigger audience. Um, you were doing that anyways, but right. now you have, True time right. to devote to, to that craft. Uh, feel free to share your social medias and uh, wh- where what platforms people can support you on uh, if you want to do that.
2: All right, yeah, mainly just on eBay is where we're doing a lot of our on- online sales, and it's just under the store name Classic Plastics Toy Store. Uh, I think right now we're almost to 400 listings. Uh, we've, like, yeah, we've we've done that for. A, I've had my, that account for since Market Street or before that. Uh, so we've been doing it, but we're trying to amp that up. Um, all of that is at my one remaining employee's house uh, because I don't have a room here. Uh, she took it on herself to kind of make an office room there. Uh, so everything's being shifted over to that. Um, we have a website, but we're not selling on anything on it right now. It just has store info on it for anybody that wants to just see our See all of our info, and then I'll be traveling around. I'll probably still be doing trade shows and stuff, so I'll still be going to uh, CTS in Columbus, and hopefully I can get back to the Steel City Con in Pennsylvania. It's awesome, but I haven't vended there for years. So
0: I hope you do too, because the the list of autographed signees at the, oh. the Steel City Con <laughs> is always the most impressive. Yeah, I. Um, Definitely planned on going last year to see Christina Ricci, but uh, it kind of fell through. I ended Dang. up getting sick that weekend. And, uh, otherwise, I would have definitely shut the short, down. Still so yeah. got to go and meet uh, my childhood crush.
2: Yeah, I would love so, to meet her.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say before we wrap things up? We have just hit the one hour mark. Is there anything else that you want people to know about? And uh, one more little plug here for the Classic Plastics Toy Show. The finale, at least for now, is happening at the Parkersburg Arts Center on March 2nd and 3rd. Tickets are just $5, and kids 10 and under are free. Tony, the floor is yours. Let people know uh, where you are in the world and
2: um, what you want them to know before we sign off. All right, well, I'll be in Rinky Dinks Flea Market in Marietta, Ohio. That's uh, right on Route 7 there, so it's right outside of downtown. So Aaron and I will actually be pretty close to each other from now on. Uh, We're in aisle 5 of that, and the days and hours are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 9 to 5, and we're going to be open... I know a lot of people at rinks, if you go to rinks, you know a lot of people aren't open. That's not me. That's a huge pet peeve. If my hours are posted, that's when I'll be open. Uh, other than that, uh, I appreciate Thank you for everybody that supported me. Thank you, Aaron, for doing this. Uh, I hope everybody has fun listening to all of my ramblings. And hopefully I'll see you at Rinky Dinks. All right. And with that, the dog is telling me it is time to sign off. <laughs> I want to thank
0: everybody for listening. And uh, I'm going to go look at some chickens. Everybody have a great day. hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as i did it was great to be able to sit down with tony and kind of talk about uh, all the things that i've been wondering and just kind of get to know him a lot better he's a great guy and i wish nothing but the best for him and um, go and see him up at ranks and definitely come and see us at the classic plastics toy show and expo which is evidently going to be the very last one at least for the time being um which is coming up as as you heard march 2nd and 3rd at the parkersburg arts center And um, this is where we're going to sign off. I hope to see you next week. We're going to try to put out these episodes weekly on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. So be watching your socials and follow us on Facebook at First City Podcast. And thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you next week. Make sure to shop local.
2: You've been listening to the First City Podcast live from First City Records.
0: Thank you for joining us and come back next week.